Adelaide are the best team on the planet. I don't see any path or situation this season where Adelaide could possibly lose a game of football. Adelaide would beat Ange's Spurs right now. If they played a game of football right now between Adelaide United and Ange's Tottenham Hotspur, Adelaide win. That's just how it goes, folks, all right? The reigning champions came here last week and we blasted them off 3-0. Then the reigning premiers come here and we obliterate them to dust. A 6-0 mauling, a thrashing, a pulverizing win. Six goals, the last of which saw me accidentally launch my scarf over the back of the grandstand. Welcome to a Night Shift Football Red edition. We are, of course, talking Adelaide United 6, Melbourne City nil. Cooper's here. Say hi. Hi. Tom's here. Say hi. Right. I forgot that you did that actually until you just said that. That was <laughs> yeah, fucking I, hilarious I was, watching you scurry for it. I was so ecstatic with the sixth goal that I, I ran down a few stairs. Then I took my scarf off and threw it in the air. And it just, I, I don't know, it just went over the back. It went over that gap between the back wall and the scoreboard. And um, no man's land. It wasn't as bad as uh, a friend of our show, Ado, once. He, he thought there was a, a ledge there. And he put his phone on the ledge and went to push it against the scoreboard, but there's a gap. And so it just fell down the gap down the back of the grandstand. Like, lucky no, I was down there. But um, yeah, I ran down, got my scarf, came back, and uh, just enjoyed the 6 0 win. Um, what, you, what what are we watching here? It either didn't go that far or you were on some sort of high after that six goal. Because I remember there was pandemonium in the stadium, and Tom just looked at me and said, Fuck, he got that quickly. <laughs> The what? Oh, the scarf. You were flying. <laughs> yeah, you I was running down. And... <laughs> well, it was one of the, um, you know, the United Till I Die scarves with the red and yellow bars. One uh, that I had, I've... obviously I had one years ago and I lost it somewhere, maybe in a Melbourne away or something like that. But it's taken me like a good part of a decade to get another one. And then Cooper finally gave me one last year and I threw it over the back of the grandstand. So um, I got down Jeez. there. <laughs> It was half hanging in on the fence next to the the car park that the players <laughs> park in. So we salvaged it. There was no one down there. Everyone was up in the stands, too busy going ballistic at That's a six brilliant. goal going in. But um, shows how I much guess, you care for the scarf, Sam. You're just like oh, ten years bank gone. I've got it back. Um, we'll start with maybe I just we won't go through the lineup player by player like we did last week, but it's essentially the same the same lineup. I was wondering what your thoughts were going into that, whether you thought there'd be any changes at all or you're happy with going in there. The 11 again, Tommy, I'll start with you. Mm, yeah, unchanged lineup, good. If you win 3-0, I uh, don't see why you would change it up. I can't, who would come in into this? Uh, yeah, it seems fine to me. That's, um, take the bait here. Yeah, that's, I'm going to, that's interesting that you come and say that after yeah, a 6 win after you, after you ask Carl to bring the experienced Javi Lopez back into the side after a 3-0 win last night. But I don't I don't know why you'd change anything, Carl. Stick to your guns, mate. Stick to your guns. He's clearly not available because he's not in the fucking team, is he? He may not be in the country. I don't know. I don't know what the deal is with him. <laughs> um, he's saying he's been deported. Same 11. You pretty much, you expected it or you, uh, any changes you would have made? It's easy to say now, 6-0, no. but I guess... No, I expected I mean, that. Um, yeah, look at the bench. Yeah. Um, the only the only thing, if you had to be super picky, um, would be for me is uh, Panas still looks pretty sus as a right back, um, but we're not going to complain too much. You know, it's two clean sheets from two games against last year's premiers and champions. Uh, we we had a, there was a lot of caveats last week about Central Coast. 
Um, this week we've scored double the amount of goals, but I don't really. I have less caveats. Um, they've because the players that Melbourne City have brought in. If we just look at their lineup now, um, given that Adelaide's was the same, like they've got Terry Antonis in there, they've got um Lapane, they've got Yugarkovic in there, um, McLaren starting up front with Saki and Yakulis. Um, they've got a Socceroos fullback in Beach who got absolutely ripped to shreds all night. Um, a team that just went out there and got bullied by teenagers. Yeah, by a bunch of kids that had school the next day. Yeah, I, I just want to... No, I, please. I, I had a point, sorry, on this. We spoke about it pre-game that we thought it was um, it was disrespectful from Melbourne City that they've gone out and brought what is quite clearly the best player in this league now to this league in Tolgay Arsenal. And and they left him home mm-hmm. for this fixture. And, and I decided <laughs> to, to have a little bit of a look at and. And team news, following our heavy recent schedule, Tolgay Arsenal will miss tonight's fixture. The season started last week. You went yeah. to Thailand. It's a shorter flight than you made. It's a holiday. We moved the <laughs> fucking game for you. Moved the game for you them. you still left your best player at home. <laughs> you came to Adelaide with all your fucking oil money and you got pissed off the park 6-0 by a bunch of teenagers. Yeah. As um, Toddy was up there with us all night, Um, the... Heaps about nothing. If you ever listened to that, go give a listen. He's been plugging us a bit lately. Um, but he said it has nothing to do with you de- being on it every other week. He de- <laughs> I frequent the show every now and again. Um, he declared the city era over. They were done. They were dusted. The city era in Australia is over and they're finished. I don't know if that's true, but we did give them one hell of a pasting. How about we go through um it, it, maybe it makes sense just to go through the goals in order. Um Starting with the first one in the 14th minute, Nestor and Kunda. It's last week, I think we said it blows, it blows our minds. It's it's almost criminal that he had never started an A-League game before. And when you think of how many memories this guy has given us already, and he's still 17 and he's still had only started a game last week. And then he starts again, puts his free kick away. The balls are still on this kid. Oh, he's ridiculous, isn't he? Um, we saw him line up from a free kick earlier where, what did you call it? The the knuckle puck? Yeah. Uh, knuckle puck. A, yeah. Fulton. Knuckle puck Mighty time. Ducks. Fulton at one well, in five. What? A t- <laughs> yeah, well, that was zero and one, unfortunately. And so he steps up for the second one. And my mind initially, it always goes to Isaias from that, uh, that range. And I just think, ah, fuck. Why is he not taking it? What is Nestor going to do here that Izzy cannot do? Bang. Wow. Mm. Oh my God. Like just the perfect free kick. He hit it with all with every bit of you know accuracy and conviction that you need to go top bins. It leaves Jamie Young flat footed. Gorgeous. Just, the respect that the players in this squad have for Nesta as a 17-year-old to not only let him take the first one from 30 yards out and put it 50 yards over the crossbar, but to then five minutes later get a free kick in a better position and trust him to take it again. We saw Zach Clough standing over it. There was there was a bit of interest, you know, is he there? Even Johnny Yell was there. There was a bit of interest floating around. But I don't think at any point anyone ever thought anyone else was taking this free kick. Yeah. Yeah, um, Viet said after the game that he, like, they have to kick him off the training park because he wants to keep taking free kicks. And this is just another thing in his mind where he's like, I can get more goals if I take these. I can get more, more goals. It was a similar vibe to the um, like similar distance just on the other side of the Craig Goodwin against Sydney in the FFA Cup final. 
now known yeah. as the Australia Cup. But at the time, the FFA Cup final, um, yeah, just top bidding it at the south end. Just you love to see it, my God. And then following it up with a backflip. Let's go. Yeah, um, five years, two days ago as well, that that Craig, Craig mm. been double in that FFA Cup final. Jeez. Oh, yeah. um, You've been watching it. <laughs> Had that one written down. That's very specific. <laughs> just on the brink of the half hour mark, 29 minutes in, uh, our mate Talbot puts one in for us um, after some, cool again, some some more good build-up play. Our build-up play all night throughout our midfielders. Clough was great again. Yol was good again. Um, and then Aaron Kunder ends up on the ball, does the right thing, just pulls it back to Clough, who does a dinking little ball in, looking for Hero, who uh, ends up missing it. It was straight over him. Talbot, for whatever reason, decides he'll put it in the net instead. And there was a bit of an offside delay while we waited nervously, but we got the goal. Nervously yeah. or angrily, like that. Angrily, we're offside... pretty angry that it was we were waiting. Yeah, before we get to the Talbot, like, hey, the, the whole the whole drawn out process of waiting to give this goal was crazy, and the amount of conspiracy theories flying around the stands was nuts. <laughs> You're just like, oh, big A League are going to take this office any chance they get. Here we go, they're going to say fucking hero was interacting with the play or. You know, yeah, oil money, oil money, everything, everything going against Adelaide as per usual. And then they were, they yeah. were right to check it, they were right to check it. Um, because if Hero is offside there, he's interfering, I guess, isn't he? I didn't say that at the time because I was just, I just wanted the goal so badly, but <laughs> um, yeah, yeah. Um, you said we'll hold off on the on the Talbot hate, Tom. I'm not necessarily sure it, it's it's Talbot hate, I'm not exactly sure. That that's what it is. Uh, last week, when we spoke about about this squad, I said that on paper, if you look at this side, Callum Talbot is the weakest link, and, and he is. It's it's just whether he's. I'm sure Callum Talbot to be in a starting eleven for what is consistently the benchmark of this competition. He is a good footballer, but in comparison to the other ten players on the park for for this city team, he's the weakest link. And and I said last week that I I thought that and that that made it a big week for Ben Halloran, but. I saw this strategically differently when when we played this game, and and I I believe it's a credit to to Veer and Milligan and and the, and the coaching staff the way they went about this is they didn't target Callum Talbot one on one with Ben Halloran. They Ben Halloran played this game really narrow. Every time we went forward in the first probably hour of this game, it was down Nestoria and Kunda's right hand side. They attacked as his as his badge, as a soccer who was given a bath by a seventeen year old. It I was made. rinsed, absolutely, it was almost like career ending stuff. Like it was so <laughs> bad, it just just too quick, and 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 tormented them down this side. And then Ben Halloran was able to play narrow, which then allowed Hiroshi Ibasuki to come off Nuno Race at, at centre back and position oh. himself on this inexperienced fullback. And we were then targeting Hiroshi one-on-one with this inexperienced fullback, and this caused the error. And and it didn't work in, in a sense of Hiroshi didn't Hiroshi really scoring, score. yeah. But but it worked in a sense of they overloaded pressure and pressure and pressure onto this kid, and eventually he made the error. Yeah, no, I think that's a great assessment. And it's kind of like what we said the previous week, how many goals do we actually need Hiroshi to score? Maybe not that many this season, given the yeah. multiple goal-scoring opportunities and players that we've got on this side now. This this goal doesn't happen with Luka Jovanovic on the park. Nah, and that's, that's not a it's not a discredit to Luka Jovanovic. He is a, he's yeah. a different striker, and he brings qualities to this team in a different way. 
But yeah. this system that they set up to play doesn't work with Luca as the nine or with or with the smaller yeah. nine that we saw once once Hiroshi came off. Yeah. Mm. Um. I just wanted to give you one question quickly though. Would you have Talbot as our starting right back? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I same. If, yeah, if he, I thought if, that too. If he is good enough to start at right back for Melbourne City, then he's good enough to start over a guy that we're questioning his defensive ability every single week. Um, yeah. And I don't know if we'll get to the subs after or not, Sam, but I might just quickly I say that I thought Giuseppe Bovolina was brilliant off the bench in this position. He he wasn't on the park for you know two well half an hour. He came on fifty nine minutes in. Um, in the ninety first minute, there was one play six nil up in the ninety first minute. Sorry, five nil up in the ninety first minute, where he lost the ball on an attack and he sprinted back to win the ball again, like his life depended on it. And I made a comment on Nesta last week in the seventy first minute, making this unnecessary, pr- unnecessarily wild pressuring run to win the ball back. And and Bovelina did it again in the 91st minute at 5-0 up. He has, no one has a right to do it as a professional footballer, but if there's ever a time where you can be lazy, it's there. And none of these kids want to be lazy. Absolutely none of them. They all want to play for every opportunity they get. And it's just awesome. Yeah, wild. Um, Second half, we started off, I thought we started off a little bit slow um, and probably telling with the resulting Penalty, and this is really a moment where the game can, at 2-0, it can go either way still from here if this penalty goes in. Uh, McLaren steps up, Gauchi dives, but sticks his big limb out. It's very deliberate. It's not just like his leg was hanging hanging there. He swings his leg at it, kicks it away. Um, huge penalty save. Gauchi has been a monster. Daryl got in touch to mention him. <laughs> he messaged me Sunday night, actually, and he commented on the page today, how many more 100-meter sprints can Gachi do in a game after a goal before he gets made to represent Australia in the Commonwealth Games? This guy was, uh, not only was he stopping the ball <laughs> at one end, he was he made like 500-meter dashes down the other end to celebrate goals with the team, and the whole team got together. We'll probably talk more about that later, the whole aspect of team celebrating, but mm. Gachi just stepping up big. This is where you wish Usain Bolt was in the league, so then you could actually match Joe Gauchi how quick he runs to celebrate with his teammates. For the for the Nesta goal, there's Popper standing with his hands on his head on halfway. And Gauchi has already fled past him and has grabbed him and been like, nah, we're yeah. going to celebrate with him right now, get up and about. Um well, but yeah, on a giant knee slide. Oh, how good was that? That was for Tunnies in the in the third. That was brilliant. That looked coordinated too. I like coordinated celebrations. Um Gauchi save. Totally deliberate. I like that you said that because there's a great photo of him. Uh, look like he's cons. I mean, goalkeepers probably do this at every penalty save, but yeah, he has his eyes fixed, fixated on the ball, and so he has totally um, readjusted where his top leg is going to be in order to uh, to to get one out there in case he went down the middle. Brilliant save. Just less save orientated and more broadly, this is exactly what we spoke about last week again is that Joe Gouch is now a senior player in this team and like he did with that save at nil nil against the Mariners last week this yeah. is a save that, that if he doesn't make that the narrative of this game can very quickly become very different and we said last week that there is it, it was one this week but the week before you know or throughout the season there may there is belief in this team that they can get results that that people think they shouldn't but they believe they should but there is going to be times in every game where Joe Gauchi has to step up as a senior player and make one or two or three saves and tick and tick in the first two weeks of the season. He, um, even taking the penalty save aside, I thought he had a really good game. He was 
he was very vocal with his defenders. He was um his usage with the ball was was fairly good. I never expect keepers to be wizards with the ball at their feet. Um mm, I want fair. them I want them saving shots yeah. first and foremost. And I just think, a little bit capable. I think yeah, I think it gets overstated sometimes about keepers being good with their feet. Like they just need to be able to take a touch and pass it to the nearest player, you know, like anything beyond that doesn't matter. You win the ball further up the field. But I thought in this period, I did think we started the second half slow and that period between maybe the 50th minute and maybe the 75th, when the third goes in, we started to grow into the game again, a bit more by that point. Um, but he had some really important, just cutting out crosses, um, yes. some some close range stuff at pace that he held on to and was just assured instead of parrying away, he was holding on to them, keeping it clutched in. And uh, I just thought he was awesome. Yeah, no, his command of the ball in that penalty area was nuts. Every time it floated in, I'm gonna I'm gonna very quickly uh, do some night shift glazing again, as we like to do with this guy, but. Joe Gauchi on the ball a million times more comfortable and confident with Nick Ansel in this side than without Nick Ansel <laughs> in this team. And, oh, and I don't, I'm not, and that, just, but the, even the with playing, Ben Wallen there, the, that the feels playing out from based. the back, the playing out from the back <laughs> feels, you cannot tell me the playing out from the back in the first two games of the season hasn't felt more composed than it had every week last season. And that's not just Joe, that's Popper's playing out from the back. Wallen, you know, I said, when Warren, yeah, when I, Popper went down, no, and come on. I was, I was seriously concerned, but he was great as well. I'm with you. Down. I just think, like, as much I love Nick Ansel, we all agree he's been a rock. I don't think something like that. I think is also more to do with just the work they've put in in the off season, more so than it would be that Nick Ansel is starting defensively. Sure, I'd agree with you, but um, they're playing out the that's just that's just continuous work on it from last season and building on it. Yeah, I do. I agree with that in a sense, but I do also think that composure and experience has a lot to do with it. Having a composed, experienced head settles a back four rather than, you know, having two centre-backs who struggled for form together all season last year. You're going to make mistakes based off the stress going on in your head because you're out of form. Um, No, I agree with that as well because there was a couple of times, I think, playing on what Cooper said, Popovich feels the freedom to play a risky-ish ball from centre back into midfield. And there was a couple of times where he just pinged them into the feet of the midfielder. They controlled it, were able to turn in much space. And that's because he knows he's got a reliable centre back partner with him. So, um, yeah, I definitely agree with you. Yeah, I just don't know if Popper's making a different choice based on who the other centre back there is. I think it's an instruction mm-hmm. to play that way anyway. You know, um, yeah. I'm sure they do feel more comfortable. Subconscious. Yeah. I'm sure they do feel more comfortable, more organised. I still think they're trying to play that way anyway because that's the way Carl wants to play. I think more broadly in the A-League, that's the way everyone is trying to play. We've already seen a few goals this year from some some pretty poor turnovers in that area, but we've seen them in the Premier League too. It's just what it's going to happen in the game. The more you try to play out from the back, the more chances you take, the more risks there are. You know, it makes sense. Um, 75th minute, we've had a ton of clubs, ton of cliff has been on for a few minutes, um, combines well with Clough here and uh, a couple of others. Um, what I really like is uh, he gets on the ball out wide. Um, what are we going to call him, Tunny? We need a little... Nah, nah. I'm not saying Tunnicliff every time. We're, we're, we're calling him Truck. Truck. I can't I remember. I thought we, I thought we settled. To Todd. Uh, Todd and I said, I thought we'd settled on the fridge. The fridge, okay. The fridge, the fridge works too. for me too. Yeah. I can't he gets remember the, how we got here. He gets on the ball out wide, um, does a little pass with someone else. I can't really remember. Then continues his run into the box to scab further scraps. And he ends up with some scraps at his feet. The ball ends up 
cutting back to Clough, who can't quite control. It's a little bit behind him, and he's just there. I think he. It looks like he maybe mishit it. I think he was trying to go where he did go. And I think Jamie Young is anticipating him to go across the keeper and he does and he yeah. drags it to the near post. I don't think he quite got it how he meant to, but he's still got the placement there. It was enough. And at that point, it's 3-0 and we are absolutely pumping. Yeah, we're wild now. There was It was Bernardo on the touchline that he links up with who is fouled in the process and the referee plays advantage. Yeah. And so the crowd, and by this point, there'd been a few challenges. The city had got a little bit, how you going? And so the crowd was on their back. and Toure was we on were, the ground. Toure was, was on the ground great. and we were, we were sensing a victory. And there was, yeah, there was a lot of excitement in the building. And when Bernardo goes down, the energy rises, that lovely interplay. And we see it again for the fourth goal as well. That, you know, cloth in tight areas when he has two guys around and we said it last week he excels because he knows that he can play a ridiculous pass. And if it doesn't come off more than likely, you know, the scraps are going to fall. Um, and in this case, he's able to, he's able to find um, Tunnicliffe who does or truck fridge. We're going to go fridge. And yeah, like you said, Jamie, but there's a couple of times that night, Jamie Young didn't die for anything. And so I don't know if he's unsighted or he's too much inside his own head. He's uh, too old. What, That's the red army. What, we're letting him know. <laughs> what the Adelaide fans calling him Jamie old. Jamie old, your name is wrong or something like that. I don't know. Oh, it's so it's so basic. But petty banter that was great. I quite like it. Genuinely, the only thing I remember about this um, Ryan Tunnicliffe goal is thinking Musa Torres was nearly dead. Had on a the broken leg. I was his. He was oh, on the sideline, screaming, <laughs> and the te- we the play went on. We went on and scored, and the team ran away from him to celebrate. And I remember looking over to the celebration, and I could still hear Musa's screams. He was still on the ground. Finally. Like- when I finally turned around and looked back at Musa, he'd been helped up by the two trainers, and then he turned around, screamed at the crowd, spraying, and just water, started spraying water everywhere, and we were like, oh, no, he's fine. He's fine. Yeah, he's all right. I thought, thought he was dead. Um, but he's okay. Speaking of, he got the next goal, 81st minute. We deployed the third Toure. He looked great last week when he came on, and just, you know, you combine him with Nestor, and you kind of combine him with Bernardo coming on, and, you know, we've already got a team at the moment that are running opposition fullbacks into the ground and running their midfield ragged. And then you bring on these guys that just run and run and run as well. And Moose's pace off the bench is such a great contrast to Hiroshi for when it's not working. Mm. He just injects life and excitement and the crowd is buzzing. Much like last season when Nestor was coming on, the crowd got this big buzz. Toure's getting that already and it's incredible and it's so exciting to see. And his... His post-game interview was one of the best things I've heard in a long oh, time. Um, talking about how his brothers told him going into like this season how cool it was to score at Highmarsh. Um, and so obviously he's been in the stands for the last four or five years watching his brothers play here. And he got the chance to get out there and score one. And he just he just was so genuinely happy about it. He talked about his... Um, Carl hasn't said anything about the backflips, but his mum has. His mum doesn't like him. <laughs> thinks he's so gonna sweet. get thinks he's gonna get hurt. But um, no backflips. But he got absolutely snapped in the corner, and we all thought his leg had snapped. But um, <laughs> I, um, how good, Bernardo? If I can, I mean Musa. If I can on Musa, um, two things for you. Just a, a fact first up that Adelaide United posted. It took 60 A-League minutes for Musa Torre to score his first goal for Adelaide United. <laughs> the longest of all three Torre brothers. That's wild, isn't it? So yeah. Al-Hassan, 51 A-League minutes. 
and Muhammad Torre 15 A-League minutes to score their first goal. Was that against Central Coast? He came yeah, it was sub, at home, yeah. came as a sub and scored a goal. It was wild. He yeah. was, I, I do remember that. Time. <laughs> yeah. um, and then secondly, um, the A-Leagues posted that Adelaide United's massive win on the weekend was just the second time in A-League history that three teenagers have scored in a single game for one team. Crazy. So Nestor, Iran Kunda, 17 years old, Bernardo, 19 years old, and Musa Torre, 17, all scored for the Reds on the weekend. The only other time in A-League history it's happened was all the way back in 2012 for Gold Coast United when Mitch Cooper, Chris Harold, and our very own Ben Halloran got on the score sheet as teenagers. Wow, That's that. where he started his career was the Gold Coast. That's why we got Cooper on board too. Just little uh, actual facts, not just looks us rambling about stat- shit man. we think. Not rambling about our feelings. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Bernardo got the next goal in the 88th minute. Um after a bit of, he was annoyed at a few uh, cutbacks that weren't cut back uh, that maybe should have been. Um, he did get on the score sheet. I forget that this guy's like nineteen because we've had him. We've had him for like what is this the third season? Yeah, he missed most of last season with it, or all of last season with it. I think all of it, much. Yeah. Uh, but the season before looked super exciting as a youngster, and uh, in my mind, he's like twenty two, twenty three because we've had him for three years, but. He's still just 19 as well, and that's just super exciting. He he ends up with a double with a, a cracking goal in the 94th as well. He was great. Uh, and it's exactly what you said. When you can bring on this type of enigmatic, speedy winger slash striker in the form of Torre, Oliveira, you know, whoever else, Luca potentially, the 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 list, Ethan Alligich as well, he can come on and play a midfield role and inject some energy. Like the list is endless almost for Adelaide United at the moment. But Bernardo's composure, I think, for the second goal just speaks volumes of where he is as a footballer at the moment. And I've read an interesting tweet during the week. You know, in the wake of this, we've been up and about. Adelaide fans are proclaiming that we're going to win everything because, of course, we are. But, you know, go back a month and a half, even a month, and the tweet calls us out as uh, crybabies for not signing anybody and you know we were potentially guilty of this as well where we kind of said where are the new signings how are we going to replace these players we don't have any first team experience yada 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 uh were we overreacting or is this just proof that the youth retention implementation progression is actually working i'm i'm gonna go out on a limb here and say that i think the the reaction, obviously, people saw Stefan Mork's response to a fan during the week about there's some apologies needed to be made to Adelaide United about people's reactions to how they they implement youth and how they planned on relying on youth this season. Personally, I'm not with it. I, I don't think that that people are upset. I don't think anyone's never the issue. upset about the youth being played in, in this situation. Yeah. And, and it True. wasn't about bringing in experienced players to replace youth players. It was about bringing in experienced players to replace experienced players that we felt we could no longer rely on. There was serious issues going into this season. And hell, we're two games in, there still could be. With Hiroshi Ibasuki's form, with Ben Halloran's form, not knowing what Javi Lopez was capable of and whether there was a replacement there in Panache Madania. Van der Sarg. Van der Sarg. You know, we're out of the loop. And, and, And Nick Ansel in a sense, he's almost like a new signing as well. If he's going to consistently play centre-back, he is almost like a new signing for this team. So there is there is still... And Zach Clough is, is the other one, sorry. There is still 
doubts inexperienced players in this squad and it was never about bringing in new signings and internationals to replace youth because the way this club works and the way the fans love it nobody is ever going to want to see Musa Torre left on the bench for a 36 year old English striker that comes here and scores three goals in 30 games it's about bringing in an experienced player that might might start games and score more goals than Hiroshi does we still what we still only have do we have another left back in the squad or is it just a left winger who we've turned into a left back you know yeah, I, I don't. Who is our backup well, left back? Josh Cavallo. If, if, if Harry Van der Sar can play on the left side, that's where he started his career with Sydney FC. But okay. again, we're still we're still asking questions about Harry Van der Sar. This is a guy who was supposed to be fit to play finals if we made it last season. We played finals, he didn't feature. We had an off season and a pre season, and we're still unsure of his whereabouts. It's, you know, and, and we're also, even if he is fit to get on the park, we've seen 360 minutes in two years out of this guy. We don't know if he's if he's up to the chalk or not. It's There there was risks taken in this squad and we could get to a point in this season where we can't become thin on experience and it hurts. That, mm. that could yeah, still absolutely. Happen. It's still there. Um, We just, obviously, we take the piss on here and we just, you know, you ride the highs, don't you? So you have we, get, we have a 3-0 and a 6-0 win. We start talking like... Well, I just spent a whole intro talking about how we'd beat Spurs. So, you know, why keep level headed? Go for it. It's all you know, you gotta you gotta take the piss. Um Izzy versus J Mads would be great. I certainly agree with all of that. Like we don't no one owes any apologies to anyone yet. We are only two games in. Um, it looks like if you do want to we did make we made plenty of caveats last week about Central Coast. If you wanted to make any this week, Melbourne City lost to West United last week, who West United went and got pumped 5 0 on the weekend, you know? So yeah. it's still very early days. We still have no idea what's to go, um, what's going to go on. The squad does still worry me. Um, I love the youth we've got playing. I think it's great. Um, the depth would be a concern and the, I guess, the what, the shine with the shine wears off with the young players. Sometimes it's really hard at that age, you know, they come in the first few games adrenaline pumping you know all that kind of thing as it starts to wear off a little uh and you get into the grind of the season can they continue to back it up um this isn't yeah. doubt by the way i'm not questioning anyone i'm just saying these are all possibilities are, we live in the these real are world facts. yeah this, this is how football works these things can happen so this is newcastle at home uh, under 40 degree heat yeah I we get every that, year every year we go on every these, year. we have these runs where we win eight yeah. games in a row and then we we struggle for the next two months, you know? So I'm sure one of those runs is around the corner somewhere in the season. Does that mean we were right at the start of the year about everything? No. Does that mean people who are saying right now, you owe the club an apology? Oh, oh. See, what was everyone What was everyone worried about? Are they right? No. Like, it's going to go swings and roundabouts. Uh, I but I 100% agree. We had, we had every... Fans had every right to be questioning the plan going forward this season. If I can just give an example of this here is that... Um, right on half time, Alexander Popovich goes down injured in in this game, and Ben Wallen comes in and and he's done he's had a great game. I'm not taking that away from Ben. Yeah, he's all right, but yeah. but we don't know the extent of, of the Popovich injury here, so we could go away one v two. I know it's only two weeks in, but one v two away in Melbourne, Amy Park, hostile crowd this weekend, and Ben Wallen probably starts this game next to Nick Ansel. If we yeah. then have to make a sub at centre back in this game, we're back to Lockie Bar which means yeah. we are back to a defensive duo that the media and, and the Stefan Morks and everyone under the sun ragged on last year and said that we needed another experienced defender. And in the yeah. off-season, fans asked for an experienced
experienced defender. And now all we of a sudden, because we've had two clean sheets against two teams that made a grand final, we have to make apologies for asking for that. Well, no, because we didn't get it. And and if Popper's injury is, is long-term or he's going to miss three or four weeks or whatever it is, we're back to the same depth that we had last year. And that caused massive what is, um, for us. What is the bar situation at the moment? Because he wasn't in the squad on the weekend. Well, not in the squad not, because obviously not, squad. not starting with Wallen, fit, but, yeah. but he is he is available. So yeah, okay. I, I imagine if Popper misses this weekend, we'll see Wallen start and then Barr is that is that reserve centre back on the bench. Yeah, absolutely. Love yeah. it. All right. Um anything else uh either to do with this game or A League related that you want to talk about just before we move on to the upcoming fixture? I had two more things on this game. Uh, sure. We we have we have to point out uh, Jamie McLaren's superlative performance here, oh, where yeah. he's he's managing at a hundred percent pass accuracy. Yeah, what a king! But what a king! I mean, what a fantastic performance! Yeah, uh, seven out of seven passes, all recorded from kickoff. It's quite a feat. <laughs> it's it's I'm actually it is it impresses me that a professional footballer can have this awful a performance. He played and, 90 minutes. And miss a penalty. Yeah, is yeah, miss a pen- potentially Jamie See the captain? worst performance in a Melbourne City shirt? See their captain as well? Who is the captain of this um, I don't I no idea. think so. I think um, Nuno Reyes could potentially be the captain. Was he not wearing the armband? He, he could be. I, I don't really care, to be fair. That's probably why I don't know in, in the nicest way Fair possible. enough. Saying it, I really couldn't give a fuck about Melbourne City. Okay. Well, there you go. Oh, what was I your other... One other Jamak is moment. Jamak is the captain. He is. Right. He's the captain. Yeah. City yeah. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> <Yeah. laughs> finished. <laughs> They're done. Would have been better if he wasn't. You'll love this. CFG um, are going to wipe their hands off like with them by the end of the season. They'll be Melbourne Heart next season. They'll be back oh, to Melbourne bring them Hart. back. Oh, I was going to ask Cooper to put Melbourne Heart's logo on that when we beat them six 0 because it felt like a truly heart performance. <laughs> Okay, but what was your other uh, point, because sorry? we didn't win six one, and Rooker Worm didn't score a goal at Highmarsh. <laughs> um, no, but what I wanted to, I I promised I wouldn't, but I did. I went and I went and I listened to to Stefan Mork and Ben Garuccio rabble on about A League for another ninety minutes this week. And, and the reason that people are going to listen to this podcast and and the how moment much time do you have? Too much. The moment that stuck with me from this podcast is the insights that that these players are going to be able to give from their experiences during games. Um, and obviously, Western United played Adelaide United in that last friendly. Um, and the boys were talking about Adelaide's depth and their youth. And they talked about Musa Torre, obviously, pre the Melbourne City game. Ben said that in the second half of the friendly, when Musa came on for Adelaide, at one point in the game, Musa gave away a foul on Ben Garuccio. And he said, he kicked the absolute piss out of me just below my shin pad. I was in agony laying on the floor and a 17-year-old stood over the top of me and yelled, get the fuck up in my face. (laughs) 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 This kid just has this competitive and that he was saying he wouldn't be surprised if he succeeded and, and because he has this just this confidence and this aura that 17 year old kids don't have when they come into into the league and obviously we saw that come into display against city on the weekend but i thought that was excellent all right um i'm conscious of time so i'm just going to move it along here i'm sorry if we missed stuff that you might have wanted to talk about but uh brisbane wiped the floor with sydney redmayne had a bit of a disaster in there uh tom's mate coletti probably should have scored but he's not good so he didn't um Bugger. did you see that redmayne well, got given man of the match for yeah sydney players? that terrible terrible um he's atrocious shouldn't be in the soccer squad um west sydney 
Wanderers beat Western United. I just want to quickly bring this up because it was a 5 0 win. Um, Lucky Bar scored, uh, Lucky Brooks, sorry, scored two, and that obviously raised the, the discussions. Oh, we should have signed him. Uh, we're, we were right, just very quickly, we were right to pass on this guy, weren't we? He wasn't really mm. doing it for us. So he wasn't for us, no, but. It, he may be another example of a Bernardo type where you just needed a couple of seasons to let him mature and become a player. No, I'm not, lovely. I, I'm not having that we were wrong for letting this guy go because we gave him two stints at this club, two yeah. opportunities that he failed to take. And now we have five or six guys that, that play minutes on these wings and have proven themselves more in a red shirt already than he did. And if yeah. he wants to go to Western Sydney and score 10 goals and have a successful season, sure. But it's, it's not an error on our behalf. Yeah, absolutely. Yes, I'd, I'd still have him over Halloran is what I'm saying. Yeah, absolutely. Um, Wellington 2, Perth Glory 1 uh, was interesting. That just a stinker of a goal given away by Perth here to Zawada. And then um, the late penalty for the most bizarre handball I've ever seen. And then that young goalkeeper, Alex Polson, who was, had an awesome game in round one against uh, West Sydney, saves the penalty to keep the three points intact in the 80th minute. So uh, that's a pretty good one because I, well, I rate Taggart as one of the better strikers in this league experience and finishing-wise. So um, under the radar, maybe Adam Taggart, but he's he's not had a good one there. Poor pen, but good save. And then the last one I wanted to mention was because we're playing in this week, Melbourne Victory beat Newcastle 5-3. Bruno Fornaroli scored four. He's made a brilliant career for himself in this league. Um, what's going to happen this week? Very quickly, your thoughts, Melbourne Victory mm. v Adelaide. Do you want to take a coup? Yeah, um, if they can concede three goals at home to the Newcastle Jets, they can be vulnerable for us to go there and absolutely. Them. And I, I believe that at times we've gone to Melbourne in the past and we've been we've been static and we've been conscious. But I just feel like there is an edge with this, like these kids playing in this squad that there's nothing to lose. And I really wouldn't be surprised to to go to Melbourne and see this young team really attack them. And whether that works in our favour or it doesn't remains to be seen. But I, for one, am glad that a team that looks like there's a few holes defensively that, that we will go there and we won't play with fear. God, I hope so. This, it feels, this just feels yeah, like it's a classic Adelaide Melbourne season building up. It, 20 years Adelaide United, our biggest not, you know, biggest rivals, Melbourne, like to say they're everyone's rivals. Our biggest roadblock to success in the early years, definitely Melbourne victory. And so to be able to go there with this young bunch of kids and take it to them and beat them by a couple of goals would be freaking amazing. I'm almost erring on the other side that we don't do it. I reckon it's the other way around with that rivalry. I reckon it's everyone that says Melbourne is their rivals and Melbourne mm. only really care about Sydney FC, I think. Yeah, that's <laughs> to be honest. That, sorry, yeah, that's what I was trying to is get. Is that what you meant? Is, yeah, yeah. Okay. I didn't want to build up the fact that we make them as our biggest rivals because they've got Sydney, they've got City. They're our they biggest really... rivals, but they, you know, they mm. they have Sydney. Yeah. Um, I think just real quickly, Louis Dorigo two years ago as a young kid playing for Adelaide United said that this was the fixture he looked forward to because these South Australian kids grew up hating Melbourne Victory, yeah. and that, that's what makes me feel like these these younger teams of South Australian kids we keep rolling through get up for this game because it's the game they always dreamed of playing in. Absolutely, yeah. um, great. Yeah, like you said, Cooper, the Newcastle if they're going to score three there, I reckon they are definitely vulnerable and can be got at. That Newcastle team is pretty crap. Um, We'll find out when we play them and we inevitably lose to them on a Sunday afternoon or something in front of 5,000 people with <laughs> yeah. uh, 
in on a 38 degree day or something like that. Um, yeah. Um, but yeah, I reckon we'll get at him. I'm, I'm backing us to go three from three this week. Uh, score predictions very quickly. We'll finish on it. Score predictions. I'm going to go two, three, one Adelaide. I reckon we lose three, two. Fuck it. Yeah, I'm, I'm with you, Sammy. I reckon we're going to go there and win three, one. Yeah. Yeah. And we're going to shut yeah. up Paul Wizzo, who's all of a sudden like Melbourne victory through and through these days, the way he celebrates uh, Grim. Anyway, we might leave it there. Good stuff. Uh, fingers crossed. We, we all look forward to it. Good luck to everyone traveling over to Melbourne for the game. Cooper, you're heading across? Yeah, heading across on the plane. I have a disgustingly good record against victory in Melbourne. Um, three on a plane, one... he says, as though there's three. like a hundred different options of travel. He's riding, he's riding his bicycle. <laughs> um, no, so I've seen Who three... asked? Three wins, one draw, and four four losses against the victory in Melbourne, which, as I've been mm. told by many, is is pretty gross considering the ten year period you all endured. So it's good point. It's good point. Yeah, we did endure a disgusting run of. I remember my first my first Melbourne away was the grand final. We lost one nil, yeah. and then um, a bunch after that where <laughs> I can remember the four one win uh, with the where Flores played. And the Van Dyke free kick, and then the Bruce Kamau in the championship season. But that's mm. other than that, slim pickings for me over there. I d- I distinctly remember uh, Kavrusovic getting sent off and us losing three 0 there, and that was a fucking terrible day. Yeah, grim. All right, we'll leave it there. Thanks, guys. Uh, we'll see you see you next week.